Welcome to Noclip. I'm Chad Rutherman. I'm JJ Artemis. And I'm Andy Kinnick. And today we're going to be talking about Super Mario Sunshine, uh, which was a game that was released, of course, by Nintendo on the Nintendo GameCube in Nintendo 1002. Shit. 2002. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was developed and published by Nintendo, as every Mario game on the planet is, and so what you're probably thinking is, no clue podcast, which is how I assume that you address us, <laughs> of why in God's name are you talking about Super Mario Sunshine the first time you talk about a Mario game? And uh, I guess we don't really know. Well, partially because it's Chad's favorite Mario 3D Mario. Correct. Yeah. It is, it is in fact, uh, we do know I was lying. Um, You'd lie often. <laughs> <laughs> it was all a rhetorical to get people to, to respond to us. Hopefully there are people on like a bus <laughs> with, with their headphones and they're like, I never understood why that was the case. Uh, <laughs> I always kind of assumed that you had sort of like a massive bone to pick with the Mario audience and I've always been so distant from that. I feel like I'm not the only person who holds true to this. Uh, but yes, it's a hotly debated topic, because people either think that Super Mario Sunshine is like the, well, I think everyone thinks that Mario Sunshine is the black sheep of the 3D Mario, like, collection. Yeah. <laughs> However, uh, it seems as though people are split a lot between whether they think it is, like, clearly the best, or clearly the worst one. And I'm sure, because there always are moderates, but it is, it's something that comes up where people will be like, well, Super Mario 64 was obviously the best one, or Galaxy was obviously the best one, but all I know is that Super Mario Sunshine is a turd <laughs> in comparison. Is there really an audience that thinks it's, like, by far the best? Yeah, there's a, it's, I mean, it's, a, I'm sure, a small contingency. I guess, But yeah. I'm aware of at least a few people who agree with me on this. All right, so then what's the line? What... Why the distinction? Theming. Theming? Theming. There are other people who just like are really, really... Oh, I don't know about other people. Lighting? That's the reason that I like the game the most. Okay, okay. Because from a pure platforming perspective, I would say Sunshine probably has some of... It, it is among the weakest of level design in terms of pure platforming challenge. Okay. But Yeah, hands down for the Mario series. You're right, that's what I'm... Yeah. Specifically within that context. Because, yeah. like, you look at Super Mario 64 and everything was a prescribed platforming challenge. It was very cut and dry, and I can definitely see why some people would like that and other people wouldn't, but it is objectively good from a platforming standpoint that your level is made up of these, like, very deliberately distanced platforms and all of these things. But what it sacrifices is that a lot of levels in Super Mario 64, particularly the what the Tick Tock Clock, the Rainbow Road one. Rainbow Ride. Rainbow Ride. Uh, the stupid water one, where the water raises <laughs> wet and dry lowers. World. Yeah, wet and dry world. Those levels in particular are extremely abstract. But everything in, in, in Mario Galaxy and Galaxy 2, they're themed around planets, but it's still very abstract, but in, in Sunshine, everything has, like, a direct, real-world inspiration for what it is. 
even stronger than inspiration, at least based on the things that I've seen. Like they, they're just sort of wild and wacky places, but they're still they still seem like a consistent place. Right. It's beaches, construction sites, amusement parks. Yeah. Galaxy sort the of like hotel from Sh- The Shining. <laughs> I believe was one of them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, Galaxy sort of hit like the weird surrealist middle ground between the just video game levels of '64 and the like actual hotel complex of Sunshine. <laughs> right. <laughs> and I guess I take the hard uh, opposition to that point, whereas I usually like am all for, like, consistency in, like, a game's environment and, like, going that extra mile to make it seem like everything fits together. Mm-hmm. But it feels so completely out of place in a Mario game <laughs> to me. And I feel like this is probably where our differences lie and potentially where this debate is just going to end. Right. And we, as we get into discussing the game proper. Uh, but Super Mario Sunshine was... I understand very strangely my first 3D Mario game that I ever played all the way through. Yes. So, that being the case, I'm obviously going to have more of an affinity for it. And you can also see uh, this sort of correlation in the fact that the first Zelda game we talked about was also its GameCube entry. Right. Um, because of that's just the age that we, like, the probably are, like, defining generation of video game playing was during the GameCube PS2 Xbox One era. And so that kind of a thing does play into when you pick your favorites and that combined with the atmosphere and oh god it's my favorite music in a Mario game uh, made me like just like this whole package even if the strict platforming challenge of it is not like up to snuff, so to speak. Is it the challenge that's not up to snuff, or, like, the design? Yeah, they did make a lot of sacrifices uh, in order to maintain that sort of, like, design consistency, because uh, take Bianco Hills, for example, yeah. the first level of the game, uh, there, there's a cave, I think it's the second shine, like, sequentially, that you have to get to, and the intended path involves jumping up onto, like, a tightrope and walking across the tightrope on one of its platforms and then doing a hover over to the where the cave is. Yeah. But because they wanted the level to look like a, like a lake surrounded by, like, hills, you can just sort of jump into the hill and start hovering, and you'll just be like... and just go straight up into the cave. That's what I did. Yeah. That's what I did probably the first a thousand times that I had to climb up a slanted surface in this game. And it's that kind of a thing that wouldn't exist in a more abstract game because they would just put a hard angle. Yeah. And be like, that's a sheer wall. You can jump into it as much as you want, you're not going to get up. And the existence of the flood, just in general, shows, adds like a whole lot of flexibility and sort of squishiness to all of the platforming challenges in the game in the first place, which right. sort of exasperates yeah. this problem. You end up with like huge levels that feel emptier because the platforms ought to be really far apart. Right. It makes sense. I feel like... See, I never really felt like they felt empty, but I definitely will concede that they do. Like, they, they have to have that spacing yeah. to them. I, they, they feel emptier. Yeah, the, right. the thing that came to mind when he said that to me was, uh, like, that beach level where you... Gelato Beach? We, I don't know the name, certainly. <laughs> the one with the sandbird? You like you yeah you like water the plants and they explode into shapes out of uh, the ground yeah. and then it, the sand sinks back down. 
like a lot of that level felt very very sparse to me yeah that that actually that's a really good example of one that does because that level is mostly for the most part all of the, all that level is is just a shack a dock a beach a hill and that's it yep and there's not a whole lot there except for those plants and the and the like solar facility thing right yeah, yeah. I also feel like um, the theming holds the game back too because what there's three stages with a beach. Yeah, like it, a lot of it starts to feel a little bit samey. Well, the, and... I think the 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 the. The, the construct of the game that causes the beach thing to be a problem is just the fact that the game just perennially has to take place around water. Because you need pools of water to yeah, refill the, the flood. flood. Uh. So there needs to be water, like, throughout. And, like, the things that seem strange are, like, there's a million fountains in the you know, park. Yeah. Or, yeah, in the hotel. You just, like, jump into, like, a hot tub. Which is in somebody's room for some reason. Sprinklers. Yeah, there are lots of things that are sort of shoehorned in in order to make sure that the water theme is still there. Yeah. I find it weird in that instance that they even give you not like a limited amount of time in which you can spray water, but like a water tank that you have to keep track of in the first place. Because mm-hmm. like, it makes sense, obviously, why they had to put limitations on the different flood abilities, and, like when you're actually using them one at a time. But I never felt like it really added much when I had to go back and refill water because I ran out. And granted, it, yeah. takes, it takes a long time to do that. It only happened to me maybe like once or twice the whole time I had to get through all these things. Right. But I... I Never really understood that choice. Yeah, it doesn't... I cannot give you a single, like, respectable reason why they needed it, other than they wanted it to not seem like Flood was an infinite amount of water. They could have just, like, done the thing so many other games do with these systems and just have this auto-refilling bar. Like, you could have just represented the water tank as a thing on the right side of the screen that shows how far you can... Sort of I don't hover. Maybe they that was like an attempt at balancing to like make the challenge more of a challenge. Like if you're on a part that uh, requires you to do like a consistent amount of like platforming, mm-hmm. if you would have to like manage your water, and that's what keeps it challenging. Yeah, like I, I can that sense because the only other things that that come to mind as being a thing where that ever comes into play are extended sections where you have to use the speed the boost nozzle because that drains water rather quickly and is only limited by the amount of water in your tank mm-hmm. um but i believe that actually automatically refills if you're going across water with it yeah so even there it's like well they only have, it's a half measure yeah and then uh when you're using the rocket nozzle it takes like a chunk out of it. So if you're using that repeatedly, the last platforming level where you have to jump through the clouds is a pretty good example. But even those have refills on them every once in a while. Right. So you just have to navigate to the correct thing to make sure you don't run out. And running out of water in the first place is a really shitty fail state. It's not like just falling off a platform in these games where you're just brought back up to whatever arbitrary start point you ha- you were either at the very beginning of the level or right before you lost off of that platform. It's a lot faster to just be reset when you fail to hit a platform than have to, like, stop everything you're doing because you're out of water, run all the way back, well, and then I, start from the beginning. I think they tried to remedy that by putting almost no bottomless pits in the game. Mm-hmm. Instead, if you fall off of something, you probably land in water. 
yeah. where you can refill the flood. Right. My my point is that I between the two, I would have actually preferred the bottomless yeah the bottomless pit and then just be back on top of the platform. Well, I feel like that never happens in Mario games though. Like. You would fall into a bottomless pit, and then it would just put you at the beginning of the level, which in this game doesn't work specifically for levels like um, like Noki Bay. Uh, would be incredibly frustrating to have to, like, in order to get back to where you were, jump like across the bouncy platforms, back onto the thing, climb the whole fucking mountain again. Yeah. My uh, assumption is only that any time you would have to go back to get water would be the equivalent of restarting the level, which isn't always true. Right. But, yeah, in fact, the existence of things like um, the sprinklers are a great example of how they, like, just sometimes don't want that to ever happen. Yeah. Because, yeah. like, they instantly refill it. There's no, You don't even have to do the refill animation. You're just automatically full on water again. And so it prevents there from being, like, an element of stress when doing, like, a, a, a Bowser Jr. level. Because you're just running and shooting water at him, and then your water gets refilled automatically, and you're like, I guess I'll just keep running. <laughs> the only one of those that the I thing found... that you want to do in a Mario game. Yeah, let's keep running. But <laughs> I do want some level of, like... I want to feel pressured, at least. Yeah. The only one water of those pressure. that I... Water pressures. <laughs> <laughs> the only one of those that I found, like, particularly challenging... Um, was the Pianta Village one because there's like lava all over the ground, <laughs> right? And it could be kind of a pain in the yeah, ass. Yeah, that uh, that level actually has bottomless pits mm -hmm. and like a less amount of water. Yeah, and I actually in turn kind of like that level as a difference in kind from the others. So mm -hmm. sort of the the same role that often gets filled with those strange little secret levels. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Those are, and I mean. It's kind of like, I feel like in 2002 when this game came out, somebody was like, I would totally play a Mario game that was just... Blocks in space. Like, just that exact game, like those levels, the challenge platform levels, for the whole duration. With kick-ass acapella singing in the background. Right, Absolutely. and somebody was like, don't tell about Mario 64, because we're putting out a game that's just like that in <laughs> six years. <laughs> when we release Mario Galaxy. They just, I guess, can't get away from... The, like, typical Mario Yeah, the formula. silly child's play toy abstractions that yeah, often yeah. come through. Uh, I think I had a point earlier that I kind of forgot about. Good. Oh, I was going to bring up when we were talking about, um, when I brought up that there's, like, three levels with beaches. I also, this game has, like, half as many levels as Mario 64 does. Sure. And I have to wonder whether that's because of the theming, where they're like, we only can come up with things that would fit on the island. Mm -hmm. So did that limit them to how many ideas they could come up with, or was it a different, like, issue? Well, it's got to limit them in some respect when they're going for that sort of consistency. And they did go for, like, a lot of and consistency. There's also only seven shines in each level instead of ten. I mean, eight. There are plenty of, of other things. The eighth one is optional. There are tons of other stuff that could have pressured them, too. Like, there's a lot of just, like, random, tiny, super-polished things in this game that I was noticing. Probably the one that's often used as, like, the classic example of this sort of polish uh, is functioning mirrors. Your video oh. game has functioning mirrors anywhere <laughs> than someone... There's a lot of money than time that went into it at some point. Yeah. And this game, like, actually... Yeah, in terms of GameCube technology... 
just as a brief aside, this game did a, like, this was probably, like, the poster child for how to make a GameCube game look really good. Yeah, it holds up pretty well. Yeah, I was going to say, I was surprised how good it looked. Mm -hmm. Like, like, you look at Mario Galaxy and you're like, wow, like, you can see, like, the individual stitches on Mario's ass pocket. (laughs) And then, but you actually, but, like, you're still jumping around in space, which is, like, a very simplistic thing visually. Because it's, like, strange things floating on a black background. Yeah. And it's, like, in Sunshine, it's this whole world. And there's, there like, functioning mirrors, the water's reflective, it has, like, its own, like, particle effect, like, when you shoot the water yeah. that obscures your vision in, like, the areas where, like, the water's dissipating and, like, mm-hmm. breaking stream. It all looks, like, very fucking good for a two, <laughs> 2002... Uh, GameCube game. To be clear, I still wouldn't put it ahead of Galaxy. They're good at different things. I feel like if they had, I feel like if they had tried to like remake uh, Super Mario Sunshine for the Wii using the tech they had at the time, it would have looked better than Galaxy. And I say that only because the thing that I think Galaxy has over Sunshine isn't it's sort of like it isn't its theming. It's that all of the shapes in that game just looked very literally smooth. This is always a hard thing for me to describe, but it's normally the case for high-quality Wii games for whatever reason, (laughs) where everything just sort of, like, looks like it's a physical ball made out of, like, satin or something, and it's, like, a really polished texture. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was... I think the Wii... And this is... If I just sound like an idiot to somebody who knows more about this than I do, then so be it. But I, I believe that the Wii increased, like, the technical prowess of the like texturing work that they could do but it did not improve the resolution so what you end up with is like very well textured objects displayed at standard resolution mm. so they probably use some sort of a workaround to make it so that the like bits that would normally seem blurred or jagged didn't yeah. and maybe overcompensate yeah I would say that I what you said about Mario and the GameCube I'd say the same thing for Galaxy on the Wii. Is that like Mario Galaxy is one of the best looking games on the Wii. Yeah. I would it's like agree. they really like go all out with Mario to make those games look as good as possible. Mm-hmm. One thing though, while we're talking about Sunshine's sort of graphical capabilities, is that I did get annoyed with the bloom lighting after a long enough uh, period of time. Right. I know that they have a workaround in that in the game, so mm-hmm. I can't really uh Oh, I hit them too badly for that. I find this so funny. Uh, uh, funny story. I knew that those existed, but like I told you, I was trying to finish it so I could get you the copy. Yep. So I didn't like talk to any of the Piantas. So I missed the guy with the sunglasses. So what I did is I just actually put on sunglasses <laughs> in real life, and it did the same thing. Fantastic. Right, yeah. <laughs> That's a, that is a real, that is a very real sunglass simulation <laughs> provided by Super Mario Sunshine. Just, in this case, you also made the rest of your house darker, which is even better because you could focus on yes. the video game. Yeah, higher contrast yeah. screen, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's real good. Um, <laughs> no, but that actually does draw attention to the fact that like it isn't signposted in the game, right? Because you would have just probably seen it and done it. Uh, oh, yeah. And it's even it's in Bianco Hills, right? And yes. you have to like. 
turn around. No, you just turn yep. left. Yeah, he's, so he's under a tree. Right? You could yeah. so easily miss that. Right, yeah. It didn't occur to me that he was that easy to miss yeah. until you told me about that, and then I was like, oh, like, because I just took him for granted. Yeah, yeah I, I explained this to, to Andy. Like, I don't actually know what the purpose of the sunglass mode is, if it's for, like, specifically for people who perceive the game as being too bright, or if they made the game too bright and they were like, oh, g- oh God, what well, do we do? <laughs> I've, I've um, through other people's reviews and stuff, apparently it, this game, like, can give people headaches because of how bright it is. Yep. Oh, wow. And yeah. that's why they did that. Well, uh, either way, it never, as a kid and not as an adult, uh, I never was bothered by the brightness, but what I would do is I would put the sunglasses on for, like, a few levels and then take them off again so that the game would seem more, like, vibrant. It's like when you, like, stick your hand under cold water and then run it under hot water, and you're yeah. like, whoa, it's so much hotter. <laughs> because well, I have yeah, a very done basic that. understanding of how nerves work. The game keeps getting brighter. Yeah, as you collect more shines too, mm. which might have been a step too far. <laughs> <laughs> well, the game doesn't get brighter. I mean, it does technically, like by quantity of bright area, but like there's a circle of light in the middle of the of the of Delfino Plaza. Yeah, and as you collect additional shines, it widens. So yes, it does get more bright, but there's still yeah. just the binary difference right but it gets it's bright bright all over now right yeah you have no way you have no place you can run in the darkness and be safe (laughs) and if you get enough shine so that the brightness goes past the beach uh you can pick up a sick hawaiian shirt from a dude there (laughs) and so mario can look extremely chill good in sunglasses and a hawaiian shirt (laughs) what color is this hawaiian shirt it's like it's it's blue with a bunch of shine sprites on it (laughs) It's really good. It's, it's like pajamas or like a wizard outfit. Okay, imagine <laughs> those things. Can you imagine a wizard in a Hawaiian, as a Hawaiian shirt? shirt. Oh, watch the sword oh, in the stone. <laughs> there is a wizard in a Hawaiian yes. shirt. At the end of the Disney's The Sword in the Stone. Uh-huh. Um, Merlin gets really mad at Arthur because he decides that he just wants to be a squire instead of like like studying and being smart and all that. So he's just like, fuck you, I'm leaving. And he time travels to Bermuda. <laughs> and then he comes back in a Hawaiian shirt. That's just so weird. Maybe that's a direct solid. inspiration for... Uh, Super Mario Sunshine's outfit change. I just really, I just meant the whole like blue with stars thing that wizards seem to be really into uh, for whatever yes, reason. Yes, yeah. that, yeah. that is yeah, really It's stars. like sky blue. Yeah, It's not okay. like Mickey from Fantasia like blue. Deep blue. Yeah, that, it's not, a, it's not like a midnight blue. <laughs> right. Uh, All right. But um, though actually that does sort of like uh, have some, there was uh, a thing and it wasn't really a controversy. I don't want to call it that because I don't think anyone actually cared. Okay. But I remember that at one point someone tried to make a big deal out of the fact that this was the first time that Mario wore a short-sleeved shirt. Oh, <laughs> his yeah. overalls. Yeah, he's wearing a short-sleeved shirt. In this yeah. Game. And it was like when I remembered that, I was like looking at the screen, not noticing. And then remembered that he was wearing a short sleeve shirt, and suddenly I just like couldn't 
tear myself away from his sleep. <laughs> I never noticed this. No, I'm see, doing yeah. this right now. I was going to say, I noticed it immediately, and it was something that always was, like, really noticeable to me. Oh, it, you know what sleeves I noticed immediately? <laughs> Peaches. Lack of sleeves. She normally has, like, a little, like, royal... Oh, yeah, because yeah, yeah, she's going on vacation. Yeah, she yeah. doesn't have those either. Yeah, she I mean, she just has, like, open shoulders. Yeah. yeah. I found that kind of weird. Yeah, like, but Peach would wear, like... A tank top when she played tennis. Yeah, but right. Mario with long sleeves and overalls. <laughs> That's his athletic way. Yeah, it clearly is. The dude is extremely athletic. Now, did, being you, a... did you Google Mario short sleeve shirt? I did. I, that was <laughs> bad. What an idiot! Look <laughs> <laughs> at all the Google shopping results. <laughs> yeah, I'm just gonna Google Mario Super Mario Sunshine, Sunshine. Mario Sunshine Mario. While Super. we're talking about the characters, can mm. we talk about? the incredibly weird decision to have voice acting in this game. Yes, let's yeah. do that immediately. That is actually a thing that yeah, I because, thought we might lead in with. Uh, yeah, this is, just to like give a little uh, background here, mm-hmm. this is Chad's favorite 3D Mario. I'd never played it. So, <laughs> uh, and I had the perception that, you know, like, this game's the black sheep of the series. Right. But, like, I, like, love 3D platformers and I love Mario. So I was like, I'm gonna like it anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, so I'm gonna go in open-minded here. Just to clarify, you did right, like you did enjoy. Oh this yeah, game. I like this game. Okay. I, um, but there, I can see why people don't like it and why it is the black sheep because there's lots of weird decisions in this game. Yeah, mm-hmm. the entire like plot <laughs> is weird. Yeah. It is weird from the moment that the game starts and then never ceases to be weird <laughs> all the way through to the end. So, yeah, I did like it a lot, but I do see where people are coming from. And one of those things is like, why why is there voice acting? And specifically, why is <laughs> there is horrible. only voice acting for Peach and Toadsworth? And no one else? Oh, Bowser has no, it. Bowser, oh, and Bowser and, and Bowser, Bowser Jr. Jr. But I mean, like, and in that flood. opening cutscene, you get that this whole thing yeah. where it's like, <laughs> Peach and Toads were talking, and Mario never speaks. And at that point, you're thinking like, "Okay, <laughs> now that like I've pulled my head back onto my body, and I'm like, they have voice acting in this Mario game for the first time, basically ever." Yeah. But Mario isn't gonna talk. And then you walk three feet to the left and talk to a guy who just goes like. <laughs> they're like, nope, I guess. Yeah, they, they speak a different language, man. Yeah, maybe they're speaking PNTs, and then they, uh, they yeah. just don't. And like the voice acting is so bad. It's very bad. Yeah, it's so bad. It was both shockingly bad and shocking in its existence because I was so conditioned <laughs> to every other Mario game where they just have like quips. Well, they'll say, like, one, like, sentence, and that's the only thing they'll ever say for the whole game. Yeah. Didn't they do anything? So once the second sentence began, they started (laughs) to actually have a reaction. I really want to know what the first line that was said in the game was, because that would be weird if it was... I guarantee you it would be weird if that was the only line. (laughs) (laughs) I think Peach says something. like, I can't wait to get on vacation or something. Uh, (laughs) You wouldn't even be sure it was Peach. It would just be, like, some strange... Like female voiceover at the beginning of the game. Oh, because Peach has like a somewhat established voice. Peach All had, the characters like, quips do. in yeah. '64. Right. Yeah, like, she reads like one. She narrates the letter at the beginning. Mm-hmm. The whole 64. thing. I don't think so. But yeah, at least some of it. There's. Yeah. A, she had her like uh, like yeah. established prior to this. Yeah, that's called a voice. <laughs> <laughs> her, uh, uh. 
no, yeah, and I, t- I totally, yeah, that is a thing that was established. But, and then this game just has it, but only for, I guess, t- yeah. a total of five characters. I guess my theory was that there are some things in this game that seemed, like, experimental for Nintendo. Because, mm-hmm. like, like, it was a huge leap in technology between the... PS1 and 64 generation and the GameCube, PS2, Xbox generation. So, like, there were, like, a lot of changing trends. Voice acting was becoming more popular, so they <laughs> threw their hat in that ring. And I also think the realistic consistency of the world was a thing that they're like, we can do this now. Right. So they tried it. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, and so it, it kind of seemed like they were, like, dipping their toes in a bunch of different pools with this game. And right. it feels less cohesive to me. Yeah. Nintendo has, like, if you have, like, a cogent point to that, go ahead. Oh, sure. Yeah. There is weirdness, though, that's even different and separate than that. Like, you were talking about the plot earlier being weird. Oh, I actually really like the plot. I didn't bring that up. Oh, I had, like, a weird, like, out-of-body experience watching, like, the trial scene. <laughs> it's just so unusual. Yeah. yeah. Like, why... When you're talking about, like, Mario, Yes. why does he need the motivation of, like, criminal punishment to clean <laughs> up the place? Well, I think the the idea is that they were going on vacation. Yeah. And he would need some kind of, like, motivation to, like, be like, okay, I won't enjoy my vacation, I'll help you. Am I supposed to believe well, that? I've, ne- I've never seen an instance of, like, any iteration of Mario where... At least not pre-Galaxy, where he did anything just because, like, it was the right thing to do. Yeah, he only <laughs> ever like springs to action when Peach gets kidnapped, <laughs> right. and she doesn't get kidnapped till like a couple stages. Uh, yeah, in. like yeah, the second yeah. act. Yeah. You know? So, but yeah, I liked this. So Mario's like, uh, I don't want to. I'm just gonna go home. It's just, yeah. I, I just. <laughs> I don't picture Mario. I just buy into the like stereotypical PG hero well, archetype the that, that they want the, him to the be. The important thing is that you didn't like buying this game in 2002 on your GameCube. You don't expect to be presented with a scene of Mario <laughs> in a defendant seat with like a spotlight on him, <laughs> nervously looking around a courtroom while they sentence him to jail. There's just no way that I'd ever think of like. Oh, he pulls in on this little plane thing and gets off. Oh, there's a bunch of fucking muck everywhere on the place mm. he was trying to go to vacation. He's not going to just be like, eh, fuck that, let's go somewhere else. <laughs> I, thought, I thought that you were just going to, you were going to, like, stick it to the Delfino Island justice system. <laughs> oh, like, no. clearly he didn't cause that. Mess. No. He just got off the plane. I got Look at all of his <laughs> eyewitnesses. <laughs> You should have been Mario's lawyer. Yeah. <laughs> should have. But no, I've, I'm done with criticizing justice systems after Chrono Trigger. I'm satisfied <laughs> with the hypothetical justice system presented. They had a lot of Mario evidence, yeah. I feel like we, we may have developed too many running things, but I wouldn't be upset <laughs> with a running thing being a justice system critique of any game that we did. <laughs> no clip political justice hour. This was one thing that they did different, the plot that they did different that I think paid off. Because mm-hmm. yeah. I like that it's just a completely different setup. Like, it picks up where 64 left off. Like, they he rescued Which Peach from weird. Bowser. Yeah, he rescued Peach from Bowser through they're taking a vacation. Yeah, right. And then it, the vacation goes wrong, and they end up on the island, and... 
Peach isn't kidnapped at the beginning, although she does get kidnapped. Yeah. And I, it's just a nice change of pace that they actually did something different. Yeah. And Bowser isn't the villain until the end. But yeah. they, they go halfway. Well, I mean, until, the, yeah. not just until the end, until literally the, literal the final end. boss. Yes. Yeah. And even then, he's it's sort of a tag team boss battle with him and Bowser Jr. Right. And weird automated, like, boats yeah. shoot bullets at you for some reason. Wasn't Bowser, Bowser Jr. were like, like He's piloting the, the boat. I feel like there's other things in the back. But there's so much the pro- going on in uh, that boss Peach boss is boss. on a rubber ducky. That's what it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, I like the that they actually like did something different with I kept the setup. Because another weird decision of this game, the fact that you could just talk to any NPC walking around that you wanted with the B button. Right. I kept like assuming there would be like more reward to that than there ever actually was, and like early on in the game, I I am not a person who's used to like the normal Mario flows, right? So I didn't feel like there was a ton of incentive after completing any given level to like jump right back into it and like get another shine. Oh, like, right. Like there was so much because they kept delineating things and like these specific shine levels like that. I kept feeling these hard stop points, and, like there should be stuff that I'm doing in Delfino in between. So I always ah. run back to Peach. And talk to her and be like, "Is there a what do I supposed to do? And Important like, character to the plot, I assume. Let me try out your true strength, man. <laughs> yeah. Turn in your shine souls, and um, yeah. But that's, no, actually, that's that's a really good note that you aren't like used to the uh, Mario flow. Yeah, because I think that's something that they just assumed. Oh, they assume more than that. Too. Yeah, they yep. assume the controls, not all of oh, them, they, but well, some of them. Nintendo's actually kind of. With the exception of Zelda, is kind of where they go way overboard. <laughs> is not particularly good at like tutorializing. Oh yeah, controls. The tutorials in this were pretty bad. Yeah, they don't do that. Generally yeah. speaking, actually, as somebody who is like a Mario veteran, right? Uh, I had trouble adjusting to the controls of this game. Are they different? They I, no. I, well, they're Mario, different from sixty four. Mario himself controls. Basically the same. Okay, you'll yeah. pick up the game and you'll be running around as Mario and it feels great. Because that was But then assumption. they throw you a huge curveball. They're like, "Here's the flood," and you're like, "Oh!" And, <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, "This is alien to me." And I was mm-hmm. just running around in Mario without it, and that felt pretty good. So what you want to do for like the first level is ignore the flood. Yeah. And so like you're fighting against it until oh you eventually learn how to use it. Right. I this being the first. Mario game that I played all the way through. Fair. Uh, that did not even occur to me. I picked. In fact, what like my process was was I started using the fl- overusing the flood, and then didn't even know about some of the cool moves that Mario could do right. until like way later. Because the he actually it's been, like Mario was given in '64 basically a fighting games control scheme where it'd be like. This is like this is your jump and this is your attack, mm-hmm. and then you waggle the fucking control stick in specific ways to make him do crazy other shit. Oh, yeah, like the spin thing. Yeah, if you rotate it in, in in this game, if you rotate the the control stick and press A, you do a spin jump, and if you rotate the control stick and press R, you'll do a spin that shoots water. And then like there's the backflip from sixty four. Right, you've yep. got wall kicks. You have uh, the triple jump. Yep. You've got all no this, long like, jump. There's no yeah, long jump. The only in this thing game. they didn't carry over from sixty four. I yeah. think that would have fucked with their platform placement. Too oh much. yeah, yeah. You yeah. would have been able to jump forever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you just, whoosh, 
launched. Yeah. <laughs> he would have been launched like a plane. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I remember a lot of those things tutorialized. I think the only thing that you said that I don't remember there being a specific tutorial for was the whole like spin while using the flood thing. Right. But one, but. The thing that I mentioned when I first brought this up that wasn't tutorialized to me, that was a huge problem, I, I had no idea that the jump in the air and slam down thing that you can oh, do was even a pounds. thing. Yeah. They never actually, oh. there's no pop-up for that. So that... I was just stuck on the first boss for an hour. Oh. That <laughs> is such oh. a Nintendo staple that I can't believe, it seems so unbelievable that someone wouldn't know what the ground pound was. Exactly. <laughs> now, I see that that was generalized in this game, because I only knew about a lot of Ooh. those other things from other games, too, like the backwards backflip, which was a crutch for me for, like, the whole time, but a really easy way to jump really far. I'm pretty sure that you could go through this entire game and only ever do the backflip instead of the uh, regular jump. Yep. Like, but, <laughs> like, it's so good. Yeah, I, my guess was that it just used the same control scheme as 64, and like, if there's a short list of any video games you can just assume that your audience has played before, it's Super amazing. Mario 64 yeah. is on that list. Yes. Yep. Like, literally, I think, like, every platformer on the 64, the protagonist had the ground down move. <laughs> right. Like, even and if it's it, on the it PlayStation 2. It was on Mario... It was on Mario Party. Yeah. yeah. Like, you could do that in that game. Yeah, Jack and Daxter had a ground pound. Yeah, yep. like Banjo-Kazooie have a ground have a pound. pound. Yep. Donkey Kong 64 ground got pound. a ground pound. Didn't even know it was possible until I had to Google, like, the Piranha Boss, which was embarrassing wow. to me. PD Piranha. Yes. Probably the worst character introduced in this game. He's introduced in this game? Yeah, this is the first instance of PD Well, of this iteration of PD Piranha. Like, there's no other piranhas before this? There's piranha, there piranha plants. plants. It's like he's a specific character. Yeah. The what big, distinguishes him? He wears a diaper. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> weird. He is a reoccurring character. Okay. Yeah, he's a, he's a giant head and wears a diaper. All right. Yeah. I remember him being in something that, was, that I found just very strange, but I can't remember what it is now. I can't remember. Really anything that he's in. Yeah. It's just very strange. But no, I was uh, like I was saying, I wanted to go back because this was a, a big takeaway for me. Because I almost bounced off this game really hard. Right. Because like I had that dilemma at the beginning where I wanted to just like ignore the flood because right. I'm so used to regular Mario controls. Mm-hmm. Um, and because of the level design, like in the gaps being huge, like I got to Rico Harbor, which is the second level. And, like, you go up on all the, that scaffolding or whatever it's supposed to be yeah. uh, that you're jumping around on. And, like, the plat- like the gaps are big, and the camera pulls really far away from you. Mm-hmm. And, like, the camera kept being so far away because the platforms were so far apart. And, like, I want the camera to be closer, so I try to move it closer. Yeah. And then it pulls back. Yeah. It's got- they're like, no, you want it back here. <laughs> yeah. And, like, it really, really bugged me to the point where I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to play this game. Mm-hmm. And But, like, I got over it, and... I got I got used to it, like the way the contr- the camera worked, but like the camera mixed with the level design, like really, like deterred me at the beginning. Yeah. They have early three D camera problems. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's the thing though. It's if there are two things that are bad about this, like the two worst things about this game, it's the camera and Rico Harbor. Like <laughs> yeah. they had the audacity to put that right up front is just like. Terrible. What's wrong with Rico Harbor? Rico Harbor is the, it's it's my the least most favorite frustrating level, level in the whole game. Because you always jump in the water and yeah, swimming takes so long? Swimming yeah. takes forever. Okay. Like, re-climbing the scaffolding is needlessly, like, time-consuming. Yeah. Those wind enemies are bullshit. 
complete. Well, uh, you I forgot about the bullshit yeah, wind yeah. enemies. Yeah. Yeah. And then it's the first appearance of the most overused boss in this game, the giant blooper. Uh, so, I, it's kind of a fun boss, though. It's a fine boss. These are three times, and that True. seems a little excessive. But yeah, because that level took me so long to get through, I was like, oh man, like I suck at this game. Like It's going to take me forever to beat this. Yeah, this time that I, I played <laughs> it, I skipped. I did like the first level in Rigo Harbor. I was like, eh. I'll come back to it. And did everything <laughs> else, and then came back to Rigo Harbor last. I, it's, oof. Oof. It is... I don't know. I just don't like it. I do it's like by the far blooper riding uh, oh, game yeah. though. That is fun. That uh, I got, I was really pissed when I did that game because I did it and I got all the coins and the shine showed up on the. So I like drove him around the side of the dock to the beach. Classic mistake. Here. And it it kills you. Yeah. It's just like like you lose. You have you can't to get off. Of yeah, that. you have to just jump the blooper into the shine on the dock mm-hmm. or else you lose. <laughs> I thought oh. like, oh, I'll just ride him into the beach and you know, he'll dissolve away and I'll walk up to the shine. Nope. <laughs> you had to do the game all over again. <laughs> Yeah, it's yeah. That is, I, I know that happened to me my first time, but Ugh. then like any subsequent time, I enjoyed it because I wasn't pissed because I did that. <laughs> <laughs> the the second uh, blooper race that's in like the w- weird obstacle course. I think it's the optional Rico Harbor one, so it's possible that you didn't do it. I don't think I did. That. Uh, mm-hmm. Is is I think is a lot better if you just enjoy the like weird skateboarding mechanics <laughs> of riding the bloopers because like you it actually like is a cool like test of of your metal <laughs> and you don't have to go through a horrible bullshit whenever you game over on it okay. which is good because every all of those uh, like secret bonus shines in Delfino you like if you game over and you have to do the whole like process of getting to it again is just like a nightmare. Surprising no one I found none of those secret shines. Alright. I saw, like I saw them with my eyes, I never reached any of them. Ah, good job. Thank you. Good, good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm assuming that's for me seeing them with my eyes. Right, yeah. Okay. No, uh, no yeah. Um, <laughs> I, one thing I really didn't like that was a difference from 64 was that Every time you enter the level, it shows you where the shine is, yeah. and you can't do them out of order. True. Like, because like in '64, you'd go into the level and it'd be like, "But up, up, go do this," right. and you could just not go do that and go get a different star. You're right. And in this game, it's like there's things in the levels different every time when you go in, so you right. can only get that specific shine. This becomes like toxic bullshit. When uh, you're going for the hundred coin sprite, and discover that the level that you like, the section of the level you chose is impossible to obtain a hundred coins in, and you're like, oh well, I'm glad I wasted all of that time to get ninety two coins and have to leave. <laughs> yeah, I because yeah, that just so seems time. like just backpedaling, and I don't understand why they did it that way. Oh, I assume it's so they could create that intentional diversity. It's so that one level of the beach level can have like a giant centipede on top of the. Guess, it kind of feels like they tried to like just make the game longer. 
I mean, I can because see... Because it's like half as long as 64. Because it's only got seven stages well, instead of 15. How does that make it longer? The because only time that's being added is what? Like, just the time when you're kicked out of the level for getting... We well, already kicked out of getting a shine in uh, 64. Yeah, then I don't understand how, what makes it longer, then. Hold on. It made sense in my head when I said it. <laughs> uh, I, I think that the existence of the... Like different is just that they can. Well, it it if there's one that you can't get, then you just have to like leave, or get good enough to get. You can't skip a shine. Not mid level, you can't. No. Yeah. So, but that could make the game longer. Have either of us any ever ever done that though? Skip the star. I do that all the time in sixty four. No, no, like even like attempting. Did you ever go into a sunshine level and be like, oh, I can't get this shine, and then backed out and then tried a different one? You can't. You can't? You can't go, like, in 64, they were all lined up, and you could pick whichever one you oh, wanted. No. It, the, well, the question that he's asking is, if, have you ever gone into a Super Mario Sunshine level, attempted to complete it, not done it, and then instead of either dying or... Uh, getting it. Or getting it, just quitting out of the level and, and going to do something else. Right. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, I feel like I might have done that if something was, like, just really getting my goat. But for the most part, uh, I don't know. I just start and then keep retrying until I finished it. Either way, I think this is mild and probably... I think there are other reasons, more obvious reasons, that they chose for, like, the weird level delineations. I think the most, like, on-its-face, like, obvious reason for it is just to be able to present, like, a discrete challenge. So it's like, this particular level has this particular challenge in it, and... It like if you come back, these things won't be here because they're just set up for that. Like the il uh, the il pentissimo, uh, the what races? It's uh, <laughs> this weird guy who might just be the mailman from uh, Majora's Mask wearing a pianto oh, suit. Oh, that guy! What's a pianto suit? A, pi- a pianto are the guys. The characters. Oh, oh, okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Those guys. Yeah, the, the guy that you have to yeah. yeah, and he wears like a purple, like, he wears gloves and a dumb head that barely covers the top half of his his actual head. Okay, I've seen and this. then like a wife beater, and then you just run, erase him, and if, uh, but yeah, like those levels are designed for those races, specifically. Yeah, and so like you couldn't do that with like. The giant wiggler running around. But uh, I think we can also agree that in a perfect world, the delineation wouldn't exist. You would just get good enough at your level design that in 64-like style, one area can have, like, all this crazy possibility space and all these different secrets based on what the player does. But, like, I greatly prefer Sunshine's (laughs) method of doing it, actually. Why? Uh, Just because I prefer the, the variety in the levels. Like... 64, I think, in this instance, is a bad example, because I think that 64 had very basic and not good level design, and I'm usually in the minority in this debate, but, like, the fact that they have a star that's, like, up top, and a star that you have to wear the metal suit to sink into some water to get, is not, like, cleverly designing your level to be beaten in multiple ways. It's just 
putting two collectibles in your level. And it's like, the ones that have challenges, like throwing the bomb off the cliff in the first right. level, are cool, but like, something like uh, on the on Gelato Beach in uh, Sunshine, spraying the like weird eggplant things to knock over the wiggler while he's rampaging around, is like a much more interesting design to me, and I like the fact that I can go in and do that, finish, and then come back and there will be people with watermelons there. And it's like, oh, it's a but totally different thing. Why couldn't they handle it the way they did in 64, where you could just skip over those and go to a different one if you didn't want to do that? No. Oh, that, I guess, is a thing. I, I like, really they shouldn't have Because 64 to. had, like, in the first level is a good example. So they have the boss, and then you have to race Koopa the Quick right. for the second star. Can and like, uh, those are... Clearly inferior to Il Piantissimo, though. <laughs> yeah, probably. Uh, so those, you can only do those two stars on those specific ones. But then after that, you can do a, any one you wanted. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, that, I guess, and what well, yeah, Babam Battlefield, don't get me wrong, is a greatly designed level. Like, that that level's amazing. But, uh, yeah, I, 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 I didn't think about that particular aspect of it. I think being able to skip over levels... Yeah, like, probably yeah you like you can't skip forward. I just I don't understand. You know, yeah, yeah. Well, there are things like in Noki Bay, each star actually is part of a story, because yeah, Noki Bay is my favorite level. Yeah, Noki Bay is the most beautiful level to me. Yeah, I think it, it looks, looks really the good. best. Yeah, yeah. I like. I think it it works. I think best with the controls because they designed it vertically. Uh, vertically. I, just, I thought the platforming was best in that level. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's just really yeah, well done. But I think Mario 64's level design was more focused on just, like, strict platforming. Whereas this game, a lot of the stars or shines are obtained through non-platforming challenges. Right. Yeah. So that's where, like, that difference in level design, like, you... That, it's probably why you prefer this game to there, the. There are a lot 64. of like just quirky interaction shine levels, like the the one that comes to mind again because I don't know why this sticks in my my mind so heavily. The beach level, of where there's not just wigglers going all nuts yeah. uh, on the beach, and you just have to realize that you can like knock him knock over. Him over with I them. don't because yeah. I think in that level I don't know if there's any shines that really require much platforming. There's the one where you have to knock the duck things off of the. Yeah, by the doing the solar panel. So you have to do platforming there, and then there's the one where you have to actually ride the sandbird. Right. But, but that's not even that, in the level. They right. just take you out of the level yep. and put you somewhere else. But other else. than that, it's all like, do this little mini-game. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. Well, we should talk about those mini-games when we come back from the break. So, in Super Mario Sunshine, um, and this is something that neither of you uh, really got to experience much of, if any at all, um, and I think you'd be hard-pressed to find somebody who says that you would be missing like a large portion of what makes the game good by skipping these, mm -hmm. but there are a lot of these um, sort of bonus shines that are just for completion of the game, like they don't, you don't need to do it to 
beat the game, get the credits. Yeah, completionist. Right. You just need to uh, go through the levels. But in addition to the levels, the, the additional shines that are part of each world, there are also these overworld shines. And there are a few, um, like the ones that you mentioned, where you can see them. Yeah. Uh, like, there are a couple, I know there's one where all you have to do is get the speed nozzle and then run through a door. And it's just on the other side of that door. It's in <laughs> oh, the jail yeah. cell. I got it. Uh, yeah. Uh, and, like, there's one that you can get for, like, spraying the giant shine. Like, if you clean the giant shine, Oh, I never out figured out where oh, I could do that. Yeah. yeah. I did that, too. Yeah. That was the first overworld shine that I got. I was like, that's dirty. <laughs> yeah. It's got to get clean. I need to clean that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> in fact, I had such trouble getting to it that I assumed that it was, like, a plot-important dirty shine. I assumed I would do something later in the game, <laughs> and, it, and it would eventually become. I clean. think you need the rocket. You need the rocket to, to get, get up to, to it. it. Yeah, uh, that's also where the pipe for. Uh... Wetch McCall. Oh no! Uh, What's it called? Um, Pianta Park. No, the it's the shine for um, or the the pipe. Pianta Village. Yes, yes, yes. Not, yes. not, not Peanut Park. Peanut Park, Pianta Village. Pianta Village. I thought the one. finally there'd be a single time where you guys would know the exact bullshit Mario proper name. Of... No, we'll, we'll, we'll name them all. <laughs> yeah, I was, I cringed a little bit when you said Caterpillar. Or no, you said, you said Centipede. Oh, instead yeah. Instead of Wiggler. Yeah. Because Wigglers are the best Mario enemies. I'm so sorry. I would totally disagree with that. <laughs> I'm not even whatever. 100% sure that I agree with that, but I do love Wigglers. That's a fact. I, I think Wigglers are cool, but I think like in terms of gameplay, they're like one of the worst enemies. Uh, not the worst. They they have, said one. They offer such like a an interesting dynamic in 2D Mario games because no, they 2D Mario. Yeah, in 2D. In 3D they don't really ever show up. The right. ones in this game are just like hilariously large. Yeah. Yes. But the uh in 2D Mario games, Wigglies would walk back and forth like they do. Yeah. But if you jumped on them, uh, they didn't die. They just got mad and started moving faster. Oh. But you could also use them to make your jumps higher because they act as like a springy surface. So if you hold the jump button, you'll go higher off of them. Okay. So, a little Mario World information for you. Yeah, anyway. <laughs> uh, what I was saying, though, is like the uh, secret of levels in the main game they have these levels where they sometimes they take flood away from you sometimes they don't but it plays the acapella mario theme and puts you in like the abstracted floating in space uh areas and these are probably some of the hardest levels in the game i think they're some of the hardest 3d mario levels ever yeah, this is absolutely oh, wow, really? Yeah, I found them to be insanely difficult. Well, okay, I feel a bit less stupid now. Depending on if you consider Super Mario 3D Land to be a true 3D Mario game I don't or not. really. Yeah, because the like, post-game levels of that are like bonkers. I don't even think I played those. Yeah, but, but, um, but I agree with you. It's, it's the, once again, I think it's the camera. You have... It's always right behind Mario and it's hard to change it mm-hmm. and you it's the de- your depth perception is like kind of off like you don't know how far apart the platforms are oh right. god the depth perception in relation to the camera thing you just brought back like a traumatic first level memory of this game for me <laughs> I this is see I think it's not like that in the regular game but in the secret levels oh, I, I'm going to be dumb and attempt to get both of you guys to remember a specific platform in the first level of the game. It, in be Beyond Yeah, we could probably do this. Okay. Uh, 
on the lake, there's like those platforms that are connected by the tight ropes. Yeah. The first one of those where there's like an enemy on the tight rope that goes back and forth yeah, on the it little red comes through. Sparking guy. I counted seventeen attempts after I started counting. I don't know how many before that. Right. Seventeen. <laughs> seventeen. To jump over it? You underestimate how horrible I am at platforms. Why didn't you move the camera to the side? No, so no, you no. See where it is. That's not my problem. Was not avoiding the enemy. That was oh. that was the smaller, but it was a relevant challenge. It was a but still problem. Gotcha. The real problem was I overshot the platform or undershot uh, the platform almost every time. Oh, gotcha. from jumping off of the. Uh, yep. Gotcha. See, I had those. That is pro- really difficult. To I make. had those problems when I started this game as well. Mm-hmm. But that's why flood exists, though. Yeah. It's because you can correct. You just can't. Put, give yourself too much forward momentum, or else you'll be like, uh, trying to push yourself back. Yeah, I kept flooding myself like just over the platform whenever I'd try and use it. Uh, I kept it was the, actually the depth perception made it come back to me. It's because I kept not being able to understand my character like in three D space in relation to the, the ground. Thing, uh, in those kinds of situations, you have I think it's best to not use the flood mm-hmm. unless you need it to correct. Yeah. So right. like you jump, and then if you're going over, then you use it to like push yourself back. Either way, this don't is jump and immediately flood because you'll push yourself too, too far. far. Like I recognize absolutely that, that the systems of the game are designed to allow you to sort of like mitigate the sort of problems that I have. This right. isn't even a game criticism. I'm just trying to make you guys and the audience at large appreciate how horrible. I am at platformers and always have been and probably always will be. Right. Yeah. That is that is absolutely like a mastery thing because I I know every time I pick up Mario Sunshine for the first time in like a while, it takes me a decent amount of time to be able to like exist. Like the ability to hover really kind of it, it makes you almost overthink where your landing position is going to be. Yeah. They do the same thing they did in 64 and just give you, like, a round shadow that mm. tells you where you're going to land. But it's just so complicated to try and get that to line up right with being able to move on, like, while above the ground on the Z-axis, on the other axes, and also with momentum. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's the momentum... And the, like, Z-axis controls the problem. Because mm-hmm. in a regular Mario game, because your jumps are generally so consistent, you all kind of always know. You can kind of more easily draw an arc in your mind of where you're going to land based on the sort of momentum you have. Right. But the Flood adds, like, a lot of variability in momentum and allows you to sort of break up those arcs really easily, so it makes things in general less predictable. In early game, when you don't have a full understanding or control of the Flood and your 3D relations. Yeah. Well, there are a lot of levels in the later... Uh, like worlds that sort of are designed to tax your understanding of flood, um, because it it involves like things like turning in midair, which is incredibly like hard. Yeah, it's a thing or, that you almost don't ever want to do. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, it it takes a long time, I think, too, for it to right. get him to turn. Yeah, and then you're like you start hearing the water sputtering, and you're like, oh no. I always <laughs> refer to that as crossing the streams. Right, yeah. Because when you turn, like, the, the streams do cross. So I'm like, you never want to cross the, the streams. streams. Yeah. Lots of platformers, 2D or 3D, have a tendency to sort of punish halfway or, like, not particularly well-controlled movements. Yeah. Whenever I'd play 2D Mario games, I'd always get into trouble when I'd, like, when I was attempting mid-air to compensate for some kind of error. Like, I was already done yeah. whenever that was happening. <laughs> well, see, that's the thing. It's, it's like... You have to perceive it the way that you would in a different genre of game. A platformer is going to a platformer is going to punish you for making a sloppy jump or like not fully considering your 
trajectory when you take your leap mm-hmm. in the same way that a first-person shooter is going to punish you for shooting at a wall. Yeah. Like, yeah. you're just not doing what the game is designed to accomplish. Right. And it's, yeah. Maybe hesitating before you shoot would be a better... A better option. <laughs> Com- yeah, comparison that's, maybe than not shooting a, at a wall. Maybe not a perfect yeah. uh, analogy. Like, maybe, like, like over-aiming. That's a thing people do. Because, like... Oftentimes, whenever people are trying to learn how to be snipers and all these FPSs, they try, I'm and, just like, gonna say, like, they try and head track instead of predict future location. Yeah. yeah, rest in peace, my attempts at playing Widowmaker. <laughs> I'm getting there. Uh, <laughs> um, oh, but yeah, the the thing that's the you know the impetus of all of this is those bonus stages are just so complicated in terms of actual like platforming, and you have to keep so many things in mind. Um, this isn't one of the overworld ones. I don't remember exactly which world it's from, but I know there's um, one stage that has the red and blue flipping platforms uh-huh. uh, that took me so many attempts. It has those, and it has the like winged, beanie-wearing, big-nosed, flat guys. What? You know what <laughs> I don't. We found a uh, a proper noun. I don't know. Uh, it's the little orange guys who look like they're wearing spotted red pants, but they're like little like almost spherical pancake bodies. S- spherical pancake bodies. Somebody knows what I'm talking about, and they're like, they've man, got you red pants. Like they have red pants on, and like little blue shoe feet. You can't both be spherical and have a pancake body. Well, they're like, unless you're like oblong. an egg body. It's not an egg. Oh, they have, so like, like a spherical body that's been pancaked. It's been pancaked. So like a like an alien saucer. <laughs> it doesn't have a lump, but yeah. You mean the spherical part, the lump? Uh, I'm thinking. Oh like no, a you mean the top lump. Yeah, okay. like the cockpit. Yeah, yeah. If it was just like a like a, a modern, not a sleek. Stands. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a discus style right. UFO. The important part of this discussion <laughs> is that they put enemies on this like very complicated moving platform mm-hmm. jumping puzzle that has gaps and like differences in height. Yeah, and it was just like trying to keep in mind. The enemies, like, being able to use the enemies to jump off of the platform heights and the order in which they're going to flip was just so complicated for me to try and, like, understand that I fully, like, agree that those are some of the hardest 3D Mario levels that have ever been Yeah, I mean, also, like, they take the flood away from you. Yeah. Right. There are a few that they don't um, in Those, the overworld ones, but they're oh, usually okay. like very gimmicky. Yeah, the ones. ones in the regular levels, you always have the flood taken away from yeah. you. You can actually go back and do a time trial version of those if you do them again. Oh, cool. Where you have the flood, which makes it like a whole other, like, different kind of challenge. Yeah, weird. Yeah. Super Mario Sunshine secret level enemies did not yield any good uh, results. They're like a regular enemy like, in the game. I'll, I'll, I'll look it up at some yeah, point. I feel like you're just attention. doing such a horrible job of, of explaining it. Yeah. I mean, you didn't even try, like, spherical pancake people with red pants. <laughs> well, okay, see, they're in the regular game, and when they're in the regular game, they're usually, like, buried underground, and they pop up, and they waddle at you, and they make, okay. like, a... Okay. That sounds familiar. Yeah. But regardless, I may be conflating those and the uh, the stop sign elephant from Yoshi's story and his <laughs> spotted red pants. 
That might his be name, what you His doing. name is Packy Derm. <laughs> I think I, I know that one. I think I know that from a Smash Brothers trophy. Because I've heard that before. Yeah, yeah. But I've never played anything related to Yoshi. Uh, dude, Yoshi's Island, Yoshi's Story, two of the greatest games with the word Yoshi in the title. True. Yoshi's Story is a game that I remember fondly, but I actually don't think it's that great. I especially it in comparison to like Yoshi's Island, which is actually a really cool. Well, Yoshi's Island's like a phenomenal platformer. Yoshi's Story is like a children's game, right? But it's it's a good game still, though, and weirdly creepy sometimes. So googling spherical pancake enemies with red <laughs> pants that burrow brings up a picture of wow. one of the aliens from Mass Effect. Weird. Yeah, I. Uh, that's 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 it. Oh, you have to jump on. Yeah, it's Garrus. You jump on his head to get to the platform. My bad. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I remember that I texted you on when I was like doing one of those secret levels. I'm like, I think I've died on this like 30 times. <laughs> it's, it is good that they're so forgiving, because they're. Uh, there are usually one up or mm-hmm. yeah, one up mushrooms. And if you pound the nails, they'll usually pop out a, a yeah. extra life as well. Mm-hmm. So there's lots of like leeway for them, like because the one ups are usually pretty early, so you can keep retrying, which is kind of important for that kind of a challenge. Mm-hmm. But some of those are some of my favorite parts of the game. Weirdly, like that's where the gameplay catches up with the aesthetic, where it's like I enjoy the aesthetic all the way through, and then they put in, like, a really complicated platforming level yeah. that really gets, like, my fucking heart pumping. I'm like, right. Yes, this is, yes! Oh, I just, it's one of those things that, like, really strikes me as a weird decision as well. Yeah. Because it's just, like, so... Because that's where they completely break from the Yeah. Thing. They're like, yeah. oh, you walked into a cave... There's some uh, regular kind of Mario ideas, but we stripped it away to uh, it's just blocks to jump on. I mean, there were levels in Mario 64 that were just blocks to jump on. Yeah, but they were like still themed around an idea. We've established at the very beginning of this episode, (laughs) though, that it was 64 is like has themes to individual levels, but they're right. on Which the is scale a, as far down. Right. Yeah. In the, the 3D games. Mm-hmm. Well. Yeah. Yeah. Also, you brought it up earlier, but um, I was sort of sad that this game also fell under a bridge. So it's, I was also <laughs> sad that this game was sort of included in a lot of the early just moving to like home console generations games that still sort of clung to the live system because it's such a video gamey thing. Yeah. Like you can't hold it the culture of lives was so ingrained at the time that you can't hold it against it that much, but it took people forever to realize that there's almost no point to a live system and and the vast majority of circumstances. Right. Yeah, like they're basically the like lives continues system that was prevalent, especially in, uh, like t- back in the eight and sixteen bit days, mm-hmm. like obviously came from the arcades. Yeah. But then when you got into home consoles, as you were describing, it's like I think that there is a good way to do lives, and that is like the lives continues system, mm-hmm. where it's you can keep retrying from a checkpoint. Yeah, I think it's how long does it take you to get back to where you were. Right. Because, like, Mario 64 has uh, 
lives as well. But like, and so I think so does Galaxy. But I don't ever remember them being an issue. Whereas in this game, it felt like an ordeal if I like got a game over, and I was like, God damn it! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, it doesn't matter. But I don't know why that is right. in it this game. It doesn't matter in the normal course of like level progression. What it matters is in those secret levels, right? And in overworld challenges, or in the challenges. Like if you do, if you like lose. To, like, the blooper game. It makes you lose a life, even though right. you didn't die. Yeah. yeah. That's really frustrating. <laughs> and then, yeah, and then if you game over, you have to make it back to the bloopers. But but they're right there at the beginning, so that's right. not a good example. <laughs> but there were times like that where there was a challenge that I failed, and then well, I had to the go all the way back to Well, the obvious one that it. people are probably, that I just haven't bring up because I know neither of you have done it. Yeah. Um, but I did, and it sucks. Um, the, the really obvious part where the lives thing becomes a serious issue is there is a horrible garbage thing in this game <laughs> that I know when I was like how old 13 playing this sure uh something in that area I was like on the verge of tears by the time <laughs> that I beat it and it is uh this one mission it's just a collect eight red coins mission yeah where you're on like a toxic lake and you have to ride a disintegrating leaf to the end and collect the eight coins, which is hard. Mm -hmm. But worse than that, getting there requires you to get Yoshi, then jump on a boat, ride it around an island, jump to a second island, get on a second boat, ride that to another island with a pipe on it so you can use his fruit breath. Uh, Acid <laughs> spitting. Acid vomit spit. His alien acid spit to melt the weird fruit lava to jump in to do it. So if you gamed over, you had to do the whole thing again. I've seen someone complain about that in a review that I watched like five years ago on YouTube. <laughs> and it stuck with you. It did. Because you were like, that seems tedious. Yeah, I saw an it's image extremely of tedious. Mario on the Yoshi on the ship moving through the harbor. Very slow. I've also heard of this. Yeah. yeah. It's terrible. Uh, Sounds pretty terrible. Yeah, that is where the life thing really falls down because it's like, just don't make me do that again. Yeah. Like anything to not do that again. Yeah, if, if, if anything, you should be able to do that once and then just grab the turbo nozzle and just boost over, over to the island. But they at the very least, the, like yeah. you don't have to ride. The yeah, there's <laughs> there's no reason to make the overworld lava shit persistent. Like I don't yeah. see. There's that no does justification seem for it. Stupid to include in the overworld. Yeah. I mean, see, that's the thing, though. I actually like the process of figuring out how to get over there, mm -hmm. but doing it more than once is just needless. Right. It's, yeah. How about that sound design, though? It's probably. Yeah, yeah. I'd say the sound design's pretty good. You disagreed with me that this uh, has the best soundtrack of a Mario oh, game. Yeah, like, just. Well, could not a broad, sweeping statement. Could <laughs> not disagree with you more. I think a lot of the music in this game, like the stages, a lot of it is really samey. I think it. I would say it has the worst soundtrack of any Mario game. Wow, coming from somebody who's not played Galaxy Two, <laughs> I know that Galaxy One's orchestral soundtrack did not strike but my fancy. That at least has like a theme or two that I can remember. 
Because I would say that, like, Mario Galaxy's soundtrack also is kind of lacking catchy tunes. But, like, I cannot remember a single song from this game that isn't Delfino Plaza. Okay. Which is a great song. It's going to nail you hard on Delfino Plaza. But, yeah. yeah, Years of Smash Brothers, it made that unforgettable. (laughs) That's a great song, but, like, I... All the rest of it, just, like... Can't remember even a little. Man, I don't know. It's all just kind of like steel drum islandy songs. Right. But I mean. I got gets old. I, I guess. You listen to ska music. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't sound. It's not like that. Yeah, it's I just, think this ties into what we were talking about in the theming earlier, where what they could do musically that sort of matched what was going on in the game was limited also by yeah. the theme that they chose. I'm not saying that island music is bad. Well, I like I'm island saying, music. Okay. Well, my my joke was that ska music is repetitive. Oh. And so but, it gets samey. But it's not... I don't listen to the same song over and over again. Sure. But I mean... But, but the, the, Okay, so if you... if. Galaxy's soundtrack didn't do it for you either. Well, it, then 64 is your only option Galaxy's, for best. Galaxy's soundtrack does do it for me, but to a lesser degree. So you're saying 64 is what you're going with? It, yeah. Here's why you're wrong. 64, <laughs> 64 has more of like old school music, like... Sensibility. Design. Yeah, sensibility is a mm-hmm. good word. Because like... In older days of video games, they were so limited that they had to rely on, like, these really catchy riffs so that the music wouldn't get, like, boring or repetitive. You wouldn't mind listening to it. Right. And, like, modern games don't really do that anymore. And, like, as a result, a lot of, like, modern games don't have as memorable music. Mm. Mario 64 has that old design sensibility where, like, all the tunes are really catchy and memorable. I think this is maybe drifting a little bit off topic, but when we're talking about sound design for video games broadly in this day and age, a lot of the, like, truly ultra-modern video games sort of shake that sound design off. But even the most modern of video games, that at least that I think have great soundtracks, still sort of adhere to that sort of weird catchiness that's unique to the medium. The thing that comes to mind for me immediately is the Final Fantasy Thirteen soundtrack, which is like a Final Fantasy. Final Fantasy Thirteen. Good. Like, Final Fantasy. Time. They have a composer though, like who's like super ultra famous. Yeah, but, I know. Oh. But, but my, <laughs> so they my have a composer. They have like a composer. You know, <laughs> like, oh, like so that's an unfair advantage. But my yeah. point is that <laughs> even when they have like all the resources in the world related to music, right? The best soundtracks in relation to video games that I can remember are still those like really catchy tunes. Yeah. The example of games that I have like all the resources in the world that don't make that decision aren't like better in fact I think they're worse like I, I couldn't name to you like a single song assuming this is even a thing from like any modern Call of Duty they're all just like background tracks designed to sort of thematically match up with what you're doing right. at the time which is why people had such a boner for like the Undertale soundtrack like me I have yeah, my boner yeah. remains yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um if you have a boner lasting more than four hours, <laughs> contact a doctor. If, you, if you've had an erection lasting since the release of Undertale, <laughs> you're fine. <laughs> yeah, that's actually that's, perfectly that's normal. normal. Yeah, yeah uh, so, uh, yeah, I think Mario's moved away from that, whereas, like, 64 embraced that kind of music. But I think that Sunshine strikes exactly the happy medium, at least for me. I've like, we're talking about, like, we started this with sound design the, yeah. and went to music, music yeah, which is the most subjective. Yes. But... So I, I will say sound design's great. Yeah, sound, sound design is... Uh, there are actually things I do want to talk about in that regard. 
Um, basically, the only thing I wanted to say is that in Super Mario 64, it absolutely does stick with that. Like, we want to engineer catchy tunes. Right, yeah. I, I probably know the whole soundtrack. Like, Good. That means that you know the song that starts off with three horrible train whistle noises that plays on Rainbow Ride and in, like, two other oh, levels. Oh, the whistle song? That's one of my favorite Mario oh, songs. Dude, that, There's that a song... level in 3D. I just bought 3D, 3D World because it's 20 bucks now. Uh, okay. There's a slide level, like, in the first world that, that plays, plays that, that song. song. I was like, oh, my God, this is amazing. <laughs> my, my I love head... this song. My my head would have exploded like the guy from Scanners. No, yeah, it, they do reuse that song, like, too much in that game, but yeah. it is a, it's definitely a classic. I have so few horses in this fight that I am tending You mean your... in this race? No, in this fight. <laughs> I, was, I was immediately like, oh my god, fighting horses. Yeah. Shut the podcast down, we need to make a game. <laughs> I was tending to your combat horses. Gotcha. I was... Putting the gloves on their hooves so that they didn't kill each other. Right. And instead just sort of wounded each other and knocked each other unconscious. <laughs> what were we talking rights. about? Music? Well, yep. Did you have a statement about no. how you didn't have any horses in the fight race? That's what that statement was. I okay, alright. Okay. <laughs> but no, the things I'm going to say about the sound design are just like how well it goes into uh, just sort of making... I don't know, I... I you would assume, like, good game design is just making your world more consistent. And so I don't think it's really saying anything to say that the sounds make the world feel better because they're, like... They make the gameplay feel better. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I was you know, was going to get to. It's just kind of yeah. like... Sound design is something people take for granted. Yeah. Like, if you had, like, a jump sound effect that was off in any way, it would be really weird. Right. But awful. Yeah. yeah, I'm really glad that Mario... I guess this is, like, a natural thing as the technology progressed, but when... Like, I'm glad that Mario has a voice actor. Like, I'm glad that Charles Martinet does things for Mario, because in... Like, older Mario games, when you jumped, it made, like, a spring noise, mm -hmm. which yeah. seemed to make some amount of sense. Yeah. From, like, a, a weird, abstract, like, cartoon perspective. Yeah. But, like, if that continued to happen, <laughs> like, that would yeah. be so odd. And, like, you still see games that are platformers that have, like, this sort of, like, whoosh noise. And that's fine, but th it's really not as, like, just emotive as Mario's jumping. Yeah. yeah. Just, like, hearing the, just, like, the wah, wahoo, the kind of thing is so, like, it just drives that, like, it gives you the, that, like, impactful feeling of the jump. Yeah, and each, like, on the triple jump, it's a different sound for each yeah. jump. Yeah. I feel the need to point out, though, that it just, the feedback isn't exclusively emotive. It's not all Mario making noises. You can also, like, just hear his feet make contact at each right, point. Right, yeah. In fact, the sound of Mario's Mario, the sound of Mark Rosewater's feet, uh, the, the sound of Mario's feet running across like the cobblestone streets. Oh yeah, it's such like it's a nice. weirdly pleasing sound. Yeah, because Mario is like such a small man, mm -hmm. and, and like he takes very fast steps. It's just so good. I yeah, feel like it's the like, closest thing I'll ever come to appreciating like tap dancing right? as an institution. Mario's Mario across run. the cobblestones. Yeah, but uh, he also makes splashing sound effects, and if he's like in shallow water, and the sound when you slide on the water, oh is yeah, super satisfying as That's, well. It may, yeah, just like you can hear. It just I'm not going to try to imitate it. Yeah, but, uh, I'm, no, it's a not not a <laughs> mouth compatible noise. Yeah. 
It's just all very... Th- like, that's the kind of thing that Nintendo excels at. Is it, ma- it takes a game and, like... The polish. Yeah, it's, the, it, it's making a Mario game from a 3D platformer into, like, a Disneyland-esque, like, <laughs> joyous experience. In fact, one thing that I didn't mention uh, earlier that I actually always think about when I play this game. Yeah. You were discussing those, like, red spinny blade enemies that are on the tightropes. Yeah. Those guys bother me from a design standpoint because they're, like, the only enemy in Mario that doesn't have a face. Like, every enemy in Mario has a face. Interesting. And those are just, like... I mean, I guess they're just supposed to be, like, Hazards? Yeah, because I've never thought of them as enemies. Yeah, but what's the... I always think of them as enemies because what's the difference between them and a thwomp block? Like, a thwomp block is a piece of stone. Yeah. <laughs> that comes down. I don't but it know. Has, like, it makes, like, a grimace as it slams down the ground. I guess it's since it's, like... I just always kind of, like, viewed it as, like, part of the tightrope. Even right. though that makes no sense. Right. <laughs> yeah. uh, I just kind of... Yeah, as it's just, like, a hazard to jump over. They do have to All pick right. one sort of, like, arbitrary cutoff point, too. Because it's not, like in those abstracted levels where all the blocks are, like, moving and pushing around, each one of those has a face. Right, like, it's right, not right. literally every challenge or every even individual object that's it's capable of moving under its own power is humanized. It's just a lot of them. Well, it used to be even more than that. In Super Mario World, the, like, blocks that you would hit, the, the, just the standard yellow block, yeah. had a face on it. Yeah. Or it had eyes. And it's like, in this game, the, it makes sense... I think the delineation typically is that if something is an enemy, it has a face, and if something is a platform, even in, like, the most abstracted way, Mm -hmm. if it doesn't have a face, you know you can walk on it. And, like, for this thing to not have a face just always bugged me. And I don't know why. (laughs) I mean, other than for the reasons I just It's not quite big enough to have a face. Yeah, like, if they... Maybe it does, and you just can't see it. It makes it seem so much more menacing. (laughs) <laughs> like, I because guess. it doesn't have a face. It's like, this is just a machine yeah. <laughs> designed to kill me. I've never even thought about it, so... And that's way more comforting than just, like, 70% of all life actively <laughs> attempting to do you harm. They were like, should we put a face on it or, like, electricity? <laughs> yeah. uh, we can only choose one. Yeah, <laughs> there's not enough... We used up There's all the memory. Yeah. <laughs> we used up all the memory for the game. We can't put both face and electricity on it. This is the last thing we're adding. Miyamoto, we have no more game left to the same We have one last slice of game. <laughs> but like the wind has a face. They do, it does. It like, does have a face. That's the arbitrary line. <laughs> I, I don't Red know. I, thing, no I, face. Wind, definitely I, face. Yeah, I think they view it as not an enemy, it's just a hazard. Yeah. Uh, For whatever reason. Yeah. <laughs> that was my. I have to ask Miyamoto in an interview. Yeah. Yeah. When we become famous. Super famous. Yeah. Extremely yeah. famous. The, yeah. That was my like one pet rant that I needed to have Good. during this episode. I'm glad. I'm glad it Because <laughs> I don't know why that always struck me, but it, it just right. does. That is weird. What were we even talking about before this? Sound design. Oh, right. Good. I felt like we were having a good conversation about that, but we now it's gone. We have had a fantastic conversation this whole time. Yeah. I've been enjoying myself. Me too. Was it good for you? <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> eh. I'm stunned about how positive I've managed to stay on this podcast. Do you want to, like, just dump? 
Oh yeah, because I've got I'm at like yeah. my, my two minute warning here before I have to just like escape out the window and avoid the. Before police. you do yeah. that, yeah. I wanted to say even though I've been really critical because Chad loves this game so much, mm-hmm. yeah. I wanted to be negative Nancy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did really enjoy this game, and despite all its flaws, I think it's still a ton of fun. Yeah, like I think people because there's a lot of weird thing or things that I and I assume lots of other people perceive as weird to be in a Mario game. People give this game too much flack. Yeah, I would highly recommend it. Yeah, I, th- I think that the takeaway from this game, and like specifically from our opinions, uh, Andy and I, uh, bring sunglasses. Bring sunglasses. Yeah, wear your sunglasses yeah. when you play. Well, it's just that this game is is it's a fun Mario game. Like that's just literally it. Like I don't, I, I wouldn't argue that it's like a perfect game or like even one of the best three D platformers I've ever played. It's just. Super. It just yeah. has that Nintendo feel and, to it in a way that not much does. Yeah, and I think I can appreciate it even more as an adult because it does things differently than other Mario games. Right. Like, I feel like if I would have played it at the time, well, I, I think I was young enough that I would have just liked it because I was a kid and I like everything. Yeah. But like, if I were an adult at the time and I had loved Mario sixty four, this game probably would have bothered me because it was different. Yeah, it's like there's like a weird sort of like angsty like tween teen middle yeah. ground between <laughs> youthful innocence and like a, like intellectual appreciation. Yeah. So where you just hate everything that's like different and yep. not the things that you want. So I yeah, so I feel like I would <laughs> fall into that camp if I had played this at the right time. But yep. like that since I played it now, I think I appreciate it more. Fair enough. So now you can dump on it. Oh, good. We've gilded it. <laughs> yeah. It can be uh... an immense pre-asterisk of there's nothing that I could say in response to, to Mario Sunshine that I wouldn't say to virtually every other platformer I've played, which means that my opinions, if you care about platformers at all, are just pretty much irrelevant to you. But this was by far the least fun I've had playing any cast game in the history of the cast. I would have quit I would have guessed in that. under one hour uh, if we were not playing for the cast specifically. Okay. It was it was painful. I had to I had to take okay, hold breaks. On. What? How many 3D platformers have you played? I have never played a single to completion, but I have played tons of different 3D platformers okay. for like less than five hours. Which one was your favorite? I feel like JJ's experience with 3D platformers is similar to my experience with like real-time strategy games. I was going to say the same It's thing like I've played me. like yeah. several of them, yeah. but just don't get into them. There is... I think calling any single 3D platformer I've ever played my favorite would confer too much positivity to the experience I had with it. <laughs> Which one did you hate the least? Or is it too is too hard of a question? I, no, I just, I just thought I, it would this, be interesting this is context. A, a bunch of them. Because again, I've done so many little samplings. Because you can't not play platformers. That's not an option. But well, it's and it's specifically required. 3D platformers. It's almost it like 3D platformers act effectively as a totally separate genre than 2D to a 2D platform because the things that it wants you to know and care about are different the only real carryover is momentum and like memorizing jump arcs and beyond that like every 3D platformer is vastly different than 2D 
Two, Can three. we just say Metroid Prime? Like, does that just work? No. It has platforming elements to yeah. it, and JJ, you fought your way through that. JJ yeah. will fight tooth and nail that, like, Metroid is not a platformer. Yeah, I, yeah. there's lots of things that I'll fight against the platformer elements from, as this cast has shown. We can go to the tapes to show me multiple times arguing things I bring the, platformer yeah, I say, I bring, they are. I bring that up all That's the time. That's what I do with RPGs. Like, yeah. 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 I refuse to, to believe things are RPGs. I'm going to, like, look this up. I'm okay. just going to go through a history of, th- like, important three platformers, because I feel like I want to give a more informed answer to this right. question than I can I just, right now. I just thought it would be interesting context. Yeah. And I ended up derailing the... <laughs> <laughs> the, the question that I have about... Um, because you say you quit within an hour. Oh, yeah. So my thought is that what put you off of this game was the ability to control your character. Oh, yeah. As my... What to you guys will be my standard platformer rant, but for the audience's sake needs to be given again, is that I really, really dislike lots of systems and lots of different types of games where what you're trying to master isn't even necessarily like overcoming some kind of active resistance in your environment, but instead just trying to like do one specific thing really well repeatedly. And I get that there's like a lot of ambiguity in like the definition of like if your environment moves, does it count as a resistant force or not? Things like that. But abstracting away from that, in platformers specifically, like, I hate circumstances where here's a platform and here's another platform, and neither of them ever change, and your goal is to just jump between them. I feel like your goal as a in almost every video game you create is generally to try and make that process of I want to go there so I will as unobstructive as humanly possible and then create other things that provide resistance that force the player to sort of respond or do something different or like adapt to the control they already have. I think that the core like resistance point here is, well I mean in addition to the fact that just the area traversal dynamic of a 3D platformer is just not what you're in it to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, but beyond that, I feel like the fact that you've never, you haven't really played more than like five or six hours of a 3D platformer is probably informing this like immense distaste. Yep. And I, I think it's because the idea of a plat of a 3D platformer saying I'm here and I want to be there. Yeah. Cross a gap is like that is tutorial level platforming. Yeah. Because the object of a platformer is to make getting to uh, from point A to point B mm-hmm. interesting to do. And so jumping across a gap is not interesting. Yeah. But jumping across a gap, avoiding an enemy is slightly more interesting. And then more than that, putting an obstacle in front of you and like forcing you to think of a different way to get across, especially at high speed, mm-hmm. especially with like an arsenal at your disposal. So like rather than just jumping, you can now do a wall kick and yeah. go around. And like that kind of thing is what's interesting. A, a good way to make people who are very, very sort of uh, well established with 3D platformers to sympathize with my position of someone <laughs> who's not even close to established with them is I, I hear a lot of people who care about a lot of platformers 2 or 3D. Uh, the thing that they really hate is like pixel perfect jumping sections. Sure. For me, virtually everything you have to do in a platformer is a pixel perfect <laughs> jumping scenario. <laughs> Interesting. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, that's kind of the same thing with... The, yeah, like, I, I feel like we share a lot in common, but just apply it to real-time strategy games. <laughs> like, that happened to me. I played through the only campaign mode of an RTS that I've ever completed is StarCraft II's first 
campaign. Uh-huh. Uh, and I remember, like, Mark just just outright laughing <laughs> at my, like, inability to manage resources. <laughs> like, that's the kind of thing, like... To you, making a jump is very difficult because it's not something that you intuit internally. And for me, like, thinking about a situation before I do a thing is just not what I do. (laughs) That explains, like, perfectly why why platformers are a thing that I love. I'm going to say, it's why you love Meat Boy. Yep. Meat Boy is a game where you just kind of do. Right. You don't really think about it. You learn as you go. <laughs> yeah. That's the important thing. So with all that sympathy established, is there anything you guys uh, want to question me before I sprint out of that door and smash through the like glass window? Uh, no. I think. I think. I I wouldn't even it... know where to begin to question your opinions because they're so completely different than mine. <laughs> that is the matter at hand. Uh. I don't believe that we have anything else to add. Nope. Nope. I think we're in the books. Solid yeah. cast. Yes. Yes. Metal Gear cast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, thank you. Uh, these hand motions. I don't know. Thank, thank you. Thank the hand motions. Yes. Yeah, thank these hand motions for listening to No Clip again this week. Uh, what are we playing next time? Next time. Uh, Actually, I already told them what we're playing next time on my two-minute apology cast. Oh, yeah. Tell uh, them again. <laughs> but we're going to be playing uh, The Talos Principle um, by Crew Team, and that should be a fun time. Yeah. Yeah. Woo. Woo. As, <laughs> as, yes. Woo. As always, you can get a hold of us at NoClipPodcast at gmail.com, on Twitter at NoClipPodcast, YouTube, NoClip. And on iTunes, if you're not already listening to us there.